0: Hi everyone, I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Wanna Run a Restaurant Powered by Backup House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Well, I mean, we have Lauren Bailey on with us today. This is so exciting. She's such a powerhouse in the restaurant industry.
1: I mean, so exciting. She's done she's she's living the dream. She's opening places all over the all over the US now, or she, across other states. At a time when a lot of people can't even consider like can barely think about keeping their, themselves open. So I'm, I'm really interested to talk to her. She's going to be able to tell us a lot. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, also she's got so many different kinds of concepts. So it's like it started with a wine concept and it's gone down from there. I think that um, I'm amazed. I feel like she's up to 18 or 20 restaurants now, which is what she's going to talk to us more about
1: today. The, the Like you said, the broad the broad span of con- concepts that you have under one person, that says a lot. I mean, it says like you're really yeah. in it because you, you want to be there. It's, it's yeah. not just something you fell into. Mm -hmm. very excited to talk to her
0: yeah and i think one now one other thing that i think is going to be interesting with this conversation is how people focused she is everything that she's doing is very like people centric even when it comes to her guests the guests i think like the guest experience um so she's going to tell us more about that and you'll hear our guests will hear more about that as well but it'll be a good conversation
1: always a sign of a good restaurateur when you're focused on on the experience and the people absolutely
0: Well, everyone, we're excited to have Lauren Bailey, CEO and co-founder of Upward Projects on the show with us today. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Claudia. I'm pumped to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Lauren, we're super, super happy you're here. I feel like I have a lot um, I can learn from you today, but we're really, really excited to talk about Upward Projects and all the different concepts that you operate. Um, You have a pretty broad expanse of of experience in the industry, but before that, we always kind of kick the episodes off by talking about where it all began for you. And I've read a little up on you and I, and I saw that you just like a lot of other people started off in the industry by waiting tables in college. I understand.
2: Yep. Yep. I um, but There's something actually,
1: special about where you started. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to.
2: Yeah. Let's see. You seem to know spoiler alert. I I mean, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, so by <laughs> to in order to pay for college, I needed to get a job ASAP because um, I was at out of state school and my mom said, you got to get a job or come home. And so I made a fake resume and PF Chang's had just started. They, they, it was founded actually in Phoenix and there was two of them. And it was, I don't know if you guys remember this, you might be too young, but it was gangbusters. It was like the craziest, most popular concept, two, three hour wait. And by some miracle of God, they hire me. I go to training, like two hours into it, the guy that's training me is like, you've never worked in a restaurant before, have you? And I was like, wait, oh, <laughs> shit what caught, caught. Like, what? can you repeat the question <laughs> anyways i was like away? no but i know <laughs> Who be, the, the terminology i mean i probably oh, see okay. this is this is what you young folk don't realize there wasn't google so you couldn't Google. <laughs> What are <laughs> restaurant terms? Like what does eighty six mean? What is like, I, like fire yes, this covers, and covers food like in runner? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a whole vocab of restaurants that, you yeah. know, is not readily available had you not experienced it. So that was probably my first uh moment of, of uh, truth with this guy. Anyway, he was like, well, since you told me the truth, if you memorize this huge book of all things to know, P.F. Chang's, then I will not tell anybody what you did. So I pulled an all-nighter, memorized everything there was to memorize about Chinese food, and away I went
1: into my restaurant career. What a place wow. to start, too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> to say you were there when, and not only that, you t- kind of snuck your way in, which that's impressive if they kept you on, even after like proving you could. It, it, to be I fair, I don't think I was a ever lot of good at that job. St- <laughs>
2: like, I, no, so, no, it was so busy. In fact, I went home one summer for between college and they wouldn't hire me back. So that was probably like a, a high level indicator of like, you're not on the top grading section here, sister. Um, ironically, so- um, Rick Federico, who's now and has been one of my my best mentors, was the, at the time um, the CEO of the company. And he took him public, took him from two to a magillion restaurants and is probably one of, I think, the best leaders of our time. And has been mentoring me in the restaurant space for 10 years now, which is still funny. And we we laugh a lot about how um that's kind of how I got my start. Yeah. Well, and what did yeah, you do after
1: PF Chang's? Yeah, you clearly something stuck with you because if even mm-hmm. if you were if you if you were self-described as bad at it, it you still right. made something work. <laughs>
2: Uh, since they didn't hire, they didn't hire me back. So I walked down the street and there was a restaurant called the house of tricks and it was actually a fine dining restaurant. So I beefed up the said fake resume a little bit, but this time I had a legit one on there and they ended up hiring me. And that's really where I fell in love with food. I mean, um, the chef there was tremendous and it was a really cool concept. They started, um, teaching all of us about wine and, um, I kind of start, I, had, I came from a Southern family, so I was always learning how to cook since the age of five, since you can even understand. Um, I was born in San Antonio, but I grew up in Indiana and then lived in Florida for a while. And uh, my mom's very southern, so we're sweet tea on the table at all times. But this is like part ah, of our culture, so very nice. Yeah. But, but this was where I started to really love kind of the higher end restaurant world and chef driven side. And so I worked there and then I went to another chef um, driven restaurant company that was Tarbell's and Barmouche here in Phoenix. And then, um, I was going to go to grad school in New York and I ran into this guy one night and he was like, oh man, I just worked in Nantucket all summer and I made $30,000 and I was like, what? So I said to my friend who was gonna move with me to New York, I'm like, dude, I don't know where Nantucket is, but we need to go there
1: before we move to New York.
2: <laughs> she was like, I'm down.
1: A <laughs> so magical land like, known as Nantucket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is, is awesome. Is awesome.
2: <laughs> we break up with money our boyfriend. Yeah, we sell all our stuff and we like drive cross country in my Jetta. We sleep in the friendliest parking lot because both of us had like $23 to our name. And we finally get to the island and we have the best time ever. We we make a ton of money. We spend it all. We save no money. Um we did go to yeah. New York that winter, but um mm. I remember the night I was shaking the martini and I was like looking around, I'm like, I'm gonna open my own restaurant. Look at these guys. You know, if they could figure it out, I could figure it out. And that was, again, the gift of of lack of Google. Because had I been able to Google how much does it cost to open a restaurant, I probably wouldn't have done it, you know. (laughs) So there were some benefits to the lack of Google. Um, And then I came back another summer and saved $30,000. And in my mind, I could probably open two restaurants for that. So naturally, I was trying to conceptualize all my different concepts I was going to do with my $30,000 came back to Phoenix and um, starting to put the numbers together and uh, the the math wasn't working out as I had hoped. So I ended up meeting um, this guy, Craig Demarco, who was working at a restaurant and was selling these tables. And um, I was going to buy them from him. And he's like, why are you buying these tables? And I said, oh, I'm going to open my own restaurant. And he was like, well, tell me all about this. And so I ended up meeting up with he and his wife and um, showed him all my concepts and different stuff. I had all these binders of like you know again there was no pinterest so it was like literally pictures from food and wine and um you know architectural digest and home and garden magazines like all put together in these sort of and i'd write these menus and print them and whatever yeah and um they were like let's partner up and open another arm of our wine bar that we have called postino which is at the time was really just wine focused it was didn't have a big food menu and um, we didn't even have a dishwasher we didn't really have a kitchen we had no hood um and so it was really the perfect storm and Craig and I to this day talk to him every day he's my brother from another mother and we've been business partners for 19 years now so wow he had he had some other restaurants and another group and we co-founded upward projects in 2009 i was 20 well we became partners when i was 26 and then um we co-founded upward right after we opened postino central kind of just kept going any money we made in one we'd roll into the next one and um you know i'd I'd cruise into costco and buy a case of ramen noodles and a case of red bull and that was like you know that was what i ate for a while sustenance (laughs) Um, and so we just, we just kept going and, you know, I, I don't, people always ask me, did you ever think this would happen to you? And I was like, no, man, I was trying to check the box, get my mom to quit asking me what was I going to do with my life? You know, I thought if I had one restaurant, be like, yeah, good to go. Isn't it
1: funny how that happens? I mean, that's usually the best restaurateurs, honestly, the ones who be like, oops, I did this. Yeah. I mean, well, well, so what year was that? This is, you've been at this for a while, right?
2: Yeah. So that was, we formed, um, upward in 2009 and then the majority of our growth happened between that time period and this. And then 2017, you know, we had been self-funded and I'm talking like there's, we could take up five podcasts to tell the stories of all the (laughs) crazy, stupid, smart, gritty, like things we did to you know, get the things you're, open. You're but, getting a spinoff
1: um, from us. Don't worry. I can already tell this is going to work. <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Three-part <laughs> series. Uh, I'll tell you this, that there was there was heavy equipment involved. There was head injuries. There was like um, a guy chasing me at an oh, auction oh. because I beat him in an auction for all these like stoves that he wanted to buy. And I was like, it was me and like 500 dudes at these auctions. I love it. I was, like just, just, like, nothing like auction drama. Nothing like auction drama. Just like drama. Shop- shopping with competition. Like, oh, let's go. <laughs> you know, and I'd roll it up is. in the it's auctions and it was like all these dudes just you know, that's what they do is just buy that stuff and sell it more expensive. Yeah. But I was like bidding him up sure. and was buying half that crap, like broke down like the minute I got it back. But
1: anyway, and then it becomes um, a point of pride. You're like, I'm going to win this. And you're like, I don't oh, yeah. even need it, but I want it. Oh like, <laughs> yeah. Who this, yeah. Who is
2: this girl? Like, you know, anyway, and it was sort of that way with the, the construction side too. I had my own tool belt, my tools and I'd roll onto the, the job site and they'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> but anyway, we did that. Uh, I would say, um, very aggressively and a lot of the stuff ourself, which I still think is possible. Um, I have this argument, my current team, I'm like, how did we used to open restaurants for, a 10th of what we do now. And they'll be like, oh, it's not possible. And you guys know this is going on right now. I literally just had this conversation yeah. with my team yesterday. They're like, we have to delay for two weeks. We can't find this, um, this gear for the, for the electrical panel. And I'm like, give me the spec. I'll find it. And t- give me 24 hours. And they're like, no,
1: no, it doesn't work like that. I'm like,
2: watch me find the gear. <laughs> 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 I, I like your Honestly, being a good problem solver. That's like, like that's it. the key.
1: In the beginning, you run at these speed bumps like that. And it's like, if you don't have someone who's willing to be like, nope, if you tell me no, I'm just going to try a little harder and, oh, yeah. and figure out how to make I it work. I love it. I live for yeah. this now because
2: it doesn't happen to me very much anymore. And so like, you know, COVID was like my jam. It was just like, because our company so big now, I don't get to do this. But it was, if it, COVID was uniquely positioned to be survived by entrepreneurs because we're used to not having any money, mm. used to having to figure it out, having to work with right. limited resources in an ever-changing environment that you have zero control over. And so I was like, for me I was like, "Oh, game on," you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying Absolutely. to take away well, from the shittiness of it cuz it was, but No, of course, but Right, yeah. right. But
1: also to speak of what you said, you're you're clearly you guys have done a lot in the last few years. From what I understand, you've got five different concepts, 18 locations across 3 20, different no. states. 20? Twenty locations. Oh, we we're wow, opening wow. We around. Just
2: waiting to meet up, Zach. You know, we're just popping up I, like wobbles. I can't even
1: keep count. See, that's you know, you do the research and then it's outdated the second you know someone <laughs> like you gets your hands on a, on a, a restaurant concept. So, kind of run us through what the concepts are for people who are listening who maybe don't understand or haven't heard of Upward before. Uh, yeah, where so, you were located. What what are the what are the restaurants?
2: So Postino is our um, I would say our growth vehicle and the one that we're taking nationwide. It's a wine bar hang spot restaurant, all kinds of things all in one. Um, we typically do adaptive reuse with those. So the first one was in an old post office and that's where the name came from, Postino, which means postman in Italian. And there's a ton of shareable food. You can pop in for a glass of wine. You can meet some girlfriends or friends for um, drinks and naps. You can have a meal there. We have a ton of people. We were like the first date spot when match.com went rolled out in the beginning, we were like Mm. the spot that people were meeting and we still are a ton for that because it's a pretty casual, approachable, fun place to hang. And, um, but you know, we're just, we think of ourselves as this third place really for people to have some of their best moments. You know, it's not lost on us that we get to provide the tables for people to have, you know, decide they're going to have a baby or have their first date or celebrate an anniversary or take a job or decide to move or buy a house. I mean, we get to, provide that for people and it's um, in its most core like root of the world. That's what we do as restaurateurs, and it's uh, incredibly special work that I think um we can easily lose sight of um in its most simplest way.
1: Mm. That's a really good way of putting it. I never think about like you're you obviously going to business to like give people a good time but like positioning it like that, saying like you're giving someone the venue to like have a life-changing moment. Is- and kind of it happens amazing. every I worked day every, all day. Yeah. And and it's amazing to see that we you know you see engagements, you see, you know, people coming together and and, and re- reconnecting or connecting for the first time. It is it's kind of amazing. Specifically too cuz I worked in an Italian wine bar. My first job when I got to New York in the service industry was at an Italian wine bar that my bus- my now business partner owned and it is amazing. We did have so much of that. There was just a lot of Happiness. I mean, Postino, first off, I don't know if you took it from the movie, but Il Postino, very good, very romantic, very funny movie. I don't know if that has anything you're, to you're do. You're literally
2: the first person that's ever told me they've watched that movie.
1: Oh, it's so good. It's such we a good have, movie. I yeah, haven't oh, watched it. I absolutely that. love it. You're on your own I saw on it, this one, Zach. <laughs> I saw it back in the day, like, like in middle school, I want to say. Um, but it's, it's such a good movie. But are you guys Italian-focused wine, or is it international? No, or we're, we're
2: global. So we have – I mean, yeah. I definitely think there's a little Italian – influence on the menu but it's not wholeheartedly we don't have pizza or pasta and um, it's just really like great shareable noshes and paninis the panini piece I guess is is Italian too but it's pretty flexible and we change it up pretty regularly but we're most famous for our bruschetta so those are we have ten different toppings and you pick four and then we cut them each up into four pieces so you can kind of share and they have all different unique um, mixes that you can
1: mix and match and share with your friends Little aperitivo party. I love. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love bruschetta?
2: Yeah. Are you?
1: Uh, are you, so? Are, how many locations? That you said you're checking that the widest, but how many locations yeah, so of that have, you have?
2: Yeah, we have 15 of those, and then we're opening um, another, our fifth one in Houston in a couple weeks, and then we're going to wow. open Atlanta in the, probably the beginning of July. I would say it's a little up in the air with wow. the construction environment at this point. So yeah. Ooh.
0: So you've got the so you've got the wine bar, and then you've got. Let's see here, you've got cocktails, and you've got Windsor, you've got Churn, the ice
2: cream. Yep.
0: You've got so Windsor pizza was place born...
2: and tacos. You've got, you got everything. We have shiny object syndrome. <laughs> entire... I, I want to name our company that, but Craig was like, I don't know if that's going to be scalable in the long term or people take <laughs> yeah. that seriously. I was like, good point. Probably nobody will have us any money with a, okay, bank, heard, like heard a, a title. to fundraise, shiny but also I would probably
1: company. give money to that. I would give money to that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Windsor is a gastropub that we wanted to have really great cocktails, great hang, and uh, burger, salads, sandwiches. And it was almost everything that we've ideated has started with the real estate, which is sort of backwards. And I think then most people do their concepts is that we walked mm-hmm. across the way and we, we saw that um, there was this really cool old brick building. And for Phoenix is, is really unique. And we let the buildings kind of dictate what they want to be. And so I'll give you another example. Federal Pizza, which is also across the street from Windsor, is an old bank and it has a teller lane drive-through. And Craig and I were standing out there one day and we're like, wouldn't it be cool if you could drive through and pick up your wood fire pizza, like a really good wood fire pizza and a growler of beer. We could utilize this drive-through for that. Mm. And so we always kind of leaned on the buildings and their architecture and the neighborhood and um, what they wanted. In turn, you know growing up in indiana it was like ice cream culture is huge and being able to walk to your you know and get great ice cream and we just don't have a ton of that in phoenix or we didn't at the time there's definitely a lot of yeah. people doing really great stuff now but um so that was really exciting for us. it was
1: like phoenix didn't have ice cream
2: i mean it's weird right it's, we <laughs> it's very hot salt and straws <laughs> very here. fast I know, I beg Kim from Salton Strata, please open here, and um, we don't have Jenny's yet, um, but we do have a couple other really oh, great local, I know, she's amazing too, um, oh. we do have a couple other really great local purveyors that do cool stuff too, so um, we could we can always take more, I mean, it's going to be 180 this summer, so you know yeah. you need it. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that it's. I mean, it seems like it's really apparent from reading about the work that you've done that culture. In addition to the buildings and some of the things, like what you've talked about the real estate side of things, you're also really focused on culture and values and your within your vision and and how you think about building out your restaurants and these concepts. Can you talk a little bit about where that role, or where that's come from, and the role that that's playing as your as your business evolves?
2: You know, because we were in the industry, I think when we were small, it was this very organic way of doing. It. it was very inclusive. And I don't think that we we had this purposeful approach in terms of like, you know, Danny Meyer putting words behind it and saying, this is what we're going to do. In the beginning, we just kind of did that. We Everyone was included. People would have opinions. We would, we would um, roll those out with different menu changes, designs, whatever. We had so many amazing people that took part in the company in the beginning, and um, we still do, but... Mm-hmm. I think the, the difficulty of scale is to take that intention and then figure out how to do it with a lot of people. And that's where yeah. I think leaders get challenged in, in, in any industry, particularly the restaurant business that in general has higher turnover, a younger um, base crowd. And what's recently challenging leaders, I think, is the disparity of generations right now. So the way we experience the world and think about things and laughing about, we you know, we didn't have Google is... Um, it's difficult when those folks that are designing those programs to connect with generations that they don't know. So as we got bigger, we realized that we're not going to change that intention of how we make people feel and what they're a part of. We just have to figure out how to do it on scale. And that to this day remains um, my primary focus is like, let's keep mm-hmm. doing what we know works, which is the way we treat people and how we make them feel um, and figure out how to do that on, on a base. And and luckily, you know, the restaurant industry from a technology perspective has just been, I mean, it's on fire. It was, it was a certain way for a long, long time. And within the last 10 years, the level of platforms, I mean, I get 20 emails a day of someone that has a new platform for us that's specifically designed for the restaurant industry. Right. Um, and it's almost to the point where it's like too much and you have to know what to use it. I think of it in the restaurant industry. Now it's like fire it can keep you warm in the winter
1: and burn your house down too. So it's like knowing oh, what yeah. temperature is with that. Um, oh Yeah. Well, actually, we, I, well, I'd love to talk with you about that. If like you're you're yeah. obviously building, and I feel like technology has evolved a lot in the last few years to help expansion specifically, but also just like day to day stuff. What, how is technology impacting your your operations? Like, how is it making it easier, or if it's making it harder to? I don't know, but I imagine it's probably not. Um, it, it's I'm just really curious because hitting- you've clearly got a lot happening. So.
2: Yeah, it's literally hitting like every vein of what we do. So the amount of data that we can get and feedback. So if you think about it, like 1520 years ago, you could kind of have a shitty restaurant and you wouldn't really affect you for a while because it it literally relied on people telling people that you sucked. And so you could kind of be sort of <laughs> crappier for longer. Now you can be crappy for like about 30 days and you're going to know it right away. And so yeah. we get these Yelp reviews and Google reviews and Facebook reviews really quickly. So I would say the number one thing in my mind is feedback um, is just way faster. So and if you would leverage that correctly, the, the issue now is that there's so much of it. It's like aggregating it and then putting it in the right reports so that you, again, control how much of it is. Because what I see companies make a ton of mistakes with now is that they have all this data and they don't curate the audience or the message down to, to meaningfully make behavior changes, whether that's with their staff or guests or whatever. And that middle piece is is what I think really where the the sweet spot is to the approach at this point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Totally. That yeah. That's
0: so interesting because some people talk about technology from... I don't know, all different areas, but I've not heard it. We haven't heard it yet from that perspective of like the feedback piece, especially with the rise. I mean, everybody talks about social media and everybody talks about, you know, or we hear a lot about third party delivery, but I think it's interesting that it's, it's still very people centric, even like when you, when you're talking about your cultures and values from all different angles. So
1: that's well, yeah, interesting. Yeah, like It allows you to have the conversations or at least yeah. have one way conversation with people that didn't exist before. And yeah. it's, it's it's a huge step for the industry, right? Cause now, like you said, like you aren't gonna be able to hide under the rock anymore of being like, is this working? Cause like you'll know. And it's you're not just people like, coming and, and in the door, like you can feedback.
2: We we train consumers, employees, everybody to look at feedback as a measurement. So think about this: when you go on Amazon, you don't buy something, you look at the review, right? If you're gonna go buy some shoelaces, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we look every moment at like, oh, is that the three-star shoelaces or is that the four-and-a-half-star shoelaces? And you pull up a, on a map to see like, oh, where's wine bars? And you see one for four stars and one for four-and-a-half. You're going to go there, right? Yeah. So this g- guest sentiment in, in its entirety is so influential now that, um, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to – interpret it in specificity because it's like, okay, we know people like us, but we don't know why they like us. Or we know they like us for this, but not that. And I think that that um, interpretation is huge. Like we know we hire this genre of employees. We know they like this part of working for us, but not so much that. It can't be, um, I think, again, it's like either super high level or really in the weeds. And then as leaders, you've got to distill that down um, to put that meaningful action in place so you can change behaviors.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely also side note does anybody not buy something if it's a five star review apparently that's a thing like if you're at like four and four it. and a half they don't trust it and I kind of think I I, I kind of think I agree I'm like well you got it because like there's always there's payola. you know there's
1: like stuff out there where they've talked about this yeah but I mean yeah. restaurants do this all the time be like leave us a good review and we'll like take 50% off the next bill or something well yeah but, yeah, fake, like, yeah anything
0: yeah. So I guess it's obviously been very challenging the last couple of years in the industry. I'm curious how you're feeling at the moment and uh, what's exciting. You're making you anxious about
1: the future when it comes to your business. I have to say, I do like how you said that we, restauranteurs and, and entrepreneurs in general, were pretty well positioned to make the most mm. of COVID because mm-hmm. I have like, we've talked to a lot of people about this. We bring it up in every episode and no one, no one's really positioned that way. You're like, yeah, what changed in a couple of years other than the terrible virus, but like the, 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 Playing field was sort of the same. It was like, there's still no money. There's still, there's it's like still hard a lot to hire of people. And then I know they
2: complain yeah. about like. I'm like, wait, I'll ask you people. Like all the hiring. I'm like, were you having an easier time hiring people in 2019? Because I know we weren't.
1: Like, <laughs> where did this problem? get when did this become a problem for I everyone else? Because right.
2: I,
0: <laughs> I, I did read that the turnover is actually quite similar to what it was before. Like we're going back to yeah.
2: that baseline where people. The, the people like, what people want to ignore is that the demand is so big. Like people are up so much in sales, and these humans don't just appear out of nowhere to work. With when right. People, everyone exactly. every industry is experiencing a 20% to 40% increase in sales. Like, I don't know. I, I'll preface my commentary on this by telling you I'm a glass half full kind of person. Like I will take the most mm. crappiest situation and be like, all right, there's a message here, you know? And early on in my career, I realized, and I think this is super important for any leader in any industry and pretty much humans in general. And the earlier that you are able to understand this whole philosophy, I think the happier that you will be in life. And that is... Every day we are gifted a finite amount of energy. If you're a badass, and I mean you're a ninja, you're gonna have like nine to 10 hours of of work output. And I probably only know 5% of people who actually work that much in the day. Most people are between six and eight hours of actual work. Now within that six to eight hours, we as humans have a tendency to fill our beautiful and pour this beautiful energy out into the world with things that are not serving us. And so I use the example always of like, imagine two to 300 shot glasses, empty shot glasses on a table. And I'm uh-huh. going to give you a beautiful glass of energy. And I'm going to say to you, Zach, these two to 300 shot glasses represent thoughts, actions, preparedness, all this stuff. It's like, you know, on one side, it's going to be, you know, I really want to learn more about strategy and strategic thinking as it relates to leadership development. And one's like, you know, um, I want to find someone who knows about real estate. And the others are over here, like. I'm not good enough. I'm not being taken seriously. What that person did to me is unfair. I'm not being compensated. Right. So if I, if I say to this to you and I say, now I want you to take your energy that I'm going to give you for the day, your six to eight hours of energy. And I want you to decide how you're going to allocate these things into these buckets. You would not pour that energy into those things. Why? Because it doesn't serve you. It's not going to move you anywhere. It's like a rocking chair It's going to do spend a bunch of energy. But it's not going to get anywhere. So I think that the, the biggest piece of the puzzle is to is to remember and, fi- and find discipline within yourself to, to put that beautiful energy into things that move you forward. And so for me, I'm always trying to stay in execution mode. And when I have these moments, because it's human nature where you want to have self-pity, be pissed off, upset at a situation, you've got to like create um, a disruption so that you can move to getting back to pouring that energy into things that serve you, move you forward. And they're not all like, you know, leadership development. They can be things that are fun, What do you wanna go learn? I wanna listen to some great music. I wanna connect with my family um, versus sitting around and thinking about how the guy next to you talked badly about you in that meeting, right? Um, And I think that for me, I realized I was in a position sort of right before COVID hit that I was kind of getting into that vein of feeling really slighted or whatever. And I literally put one of those big um, hair rubber bands on my wrist and every time I would think about that stuff, I would snap it. And just because I wanted to have a, a, a disruption, like a physical disruption to, to shift the energy direction. And I think like the sooner that you realize the power of that and the power of the narrative of that goes on in your brain. And I know it sounds a little hippie and I am a total hippie, but the body goes where the mind goes and the body goes where you intend and talk to it and tell it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, that, yeah. piece of that is super powerful. So as that relates to COVID in your question, in my mind, it was like, all right, how do we make something great out of this? You know, and we were only down, I think, 10% in sales in 2020. Why? Because I'm like, you know, what can we do here? People want to drink. Great. Let's sell wine. Let's do like a, um, an ice cream truck. That's a wine truck. So we invented the wine wagon. And we just figured out a way you get to the other side. And I think you fundamentally have to believe, and I never for one moment thought in my mind, we're not getting to the other side of this. We may not look exactly the same on the other side of it, but we're not not getting to the other side of it. And I think now as we sit here, you know, I remember sitting at my kitchen island and I said to my mom in between sobs and cries, I was like, mom, if we ever get out of this and I ever complain to you about being tired from a restaurant opening or a long day, I want you to remind me of this moment right now. and so here we are you know two years later and we're so busy and we're complaining about really not having employees to manage the demand of what's happening in our restaurants like you you know i'm sorry like to (laughs) me it's just like this is wonderful this is wonderful and then also i look at it like Everybody's tired. This is a great time. Like, keep going. You're Lance Armstrong on the hill. Just blown by everybody because you've got to dig deep and find that energy and create a space that people want to work in. You know, like, would you want to work there? Yeah. Figure out a way to do it. You take the crappiest jobs in our industry, which are like dishwasher, porter, all this stuff, and find out how to make it awesome and create a development plan for people to move up in their life. You know, I was at our staff meeting yesterday and we had a 10 year anniversary of a server and we, everyone was going around telling her what she meant to them. And one of the guys got up there and he said, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I went with you to Houston to train and I'd never been on an airplane before. And you told me how to get there and navigate the airport. And he's like, and then we went to the ocean and I'd never been to the ocean before. I'm like bawling, you know? I mean, the fact that this is the work that we get to do, it's like, you got to find those things that you hold on to in those really, really hard moments. And it's different for everybody. And we all were affected differently based on where your businesses were and what was going on in your life.
1: But That's just, that's my tool, you know? That's like far and away that, I mean, that, (laughs) that can be applied to so much in life, not not this beyond, beyond restaurants, by far the most refreshing take on COVID. And I, and honestly, you just spoke to something that I I think I was think feeling for a lot of, especially for in the beginning of it, I was like, I can't allow myself to get beaten down and feel this way because if I, I'm already exhausted as it is. If I allow negativity to seep in behind, it's, it's something terrible is going to happen and things are already bad enough. So yeah, as, as humans, we're
2: designed to like to understand threats, you know, because we're animals. And the thing is, is like there are definitive threats here. But I think there's also like, yeah, when you when you get really clear with like, I am giving energy to these things. And would I do that if I had that like realization of like, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go spend an hour thinking about how my boss is out to get me because it's going to really serve me and like moving forward. You would never do that, you know, right.
1: No, exactly. Wasted emotion. My mom always used to call it wasted emotion.
0: I think it's like a yes and. I think you can have both sometimes, right? But I think like you're using it to move you forward, but you're still being in truth about the situation that you find yourself in. Because nobody also wants to have like sunshines and rainbows all the time, which is like not in truth. But I think that – I like the way you're thinking about it and I like that you're – like even what you talked about, we talked about entrepreneurship and all of the things that had to change in order to even get there. And I think it was the nimbleness. It was the way that you were thinking. It was that you were quitting your people, you were very people focused first and you remain that way. I don't know. I think that's, that's gotta yield some good karma.
1: I, I, I feel like with this industry too, like putting that kind of vibe out there, that's something you, you clearly truly believe this and, Talking about being having good people around you, that's the sort of thing that keeps people around you. Because if you have that negativity that that seeps into all of your thoughts and your actions and your motivations, and use like that's a, that's a really good way to a healthy way to approach the industry.
2: I think of it like this: you're allowed to go down in the swamp, but you can't stay in the swamp. And the part is like figuring out ways out of that is is so huge. And as leaders, you know your team is like looking for you to throw him a hand to pull him out of the swamp and like how what's what's what what am i looking forward to and i think creating that vision it's hard it's taxing and there's definitely moments and i have a very open approach my team will tell you they've seen me cry multiple times i get so overwhelmed by the amazingness of this planet like good and bad and i do think claudia to your point experiencing all of it and like leaving space um for that especially for men because women it's okay for it and we're socialized to emote and be okay doing that and expressing stress Mm -hmm. or whatever but men aren't and um i think that's changing and i'm hopeful about that but there's just there's just such a different way to do things and i think the more i talk about this with people and leaders like people want to um they want to feel good and, and they want to feel mm-hmm. like there's hope and that yeah. they're working towards something. And it's a very nature of what we do as restaurants is like, we're, we're not the dentist. Like everybody wants to be here. Most people, right. You know, 90% just, of yeah. people. <laughs> so like lean into that and make, and make people feel good. That's our, that's our, that's our motto. You know, we had this very long, beautifully sounding mission statement that no one could remember, including myself. And I remember... Um, <laughs> My marketing guys are the best like, ones. What do you think we should do about this? And I'm like, we should put it in the dumpster and we should come up with one that we can remember and it should be simple that we can all remember. And in the most simplest form, we're just here to make people feel good. And she's like, so is that it? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like you gotta, that. You gotta do something you can remember. And,
2: <laughs> right. That's
0: a, that's <laughs> and a nice umbrella. You, yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, this has been such a good conversation with you today. I, I feel like we... We got we got so many different angles of the way you think
2: about your business and your business. I don't know, just it was very interesting conversation. Yeah. So absolutely, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me and doing this in general. I think it's such an interesting um, industry, and you don't get to see the inside of it very often. So I really appreciate no. you guys having me. No, no especially okay.
1: people like you. It's really great to see your, your yeah. style of positivity and and your creativity. It's it's yeah. refreshing to to speak to someone like this. So.
0: Before you go, we are doing something called the tasting menu, where we ask you three rapid fire questions at the end of the episode. And uh, first, thing, first thing that comes to mind is the one that's the answer. There's no right or wrongs here. First okay. question, what's the number one food that you can't live without?
2: Broccoli. Wow.
1: haven't had that it. one that's, yet. Yeah, that's, that's a first. That's great, yeah. though. I do love broccoli, it's very malleable and it's, it's an awesome food. It's my jam, yeah.
2: you know? Like, it's my comfort food and you can do so many things with it and it's very good for you. Exactly. It is very good for you, which what is why I, I, don't, I, I love it. it. But it's, oh, we've, <laughs> we've got mushrooms.
1: Oh, yeah, mushrooms. We did yeah. get <laughs> which right. actually, mushrooms. Which I actually, I love mushrooms too. The vegetarian of them
2: in general is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, what, I'm he, my that's, that's pasta. what he said. It's just, like, anything that's malleable, but, like, you know that you need all the time, you can, like, do yeah. so many different things with, but, yeah. True. Some people take it very literally, like, specific taco from a specific restaurant, but, like, that's...
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, place you've never been to, but you really want to visit? Oh,
2: God. Um... So many. I wish I was in my office so you could see my bucket list, my travel bucket list. I'm not the kind of person that goes multiple places time. So I literally have 50 places. What's on my list right now? I really want to go to Machu Picchu and do the hikes. I want to go to Portugal. I'm going back pretty to Japan. Cool. Yeah, I'm going back to Japan for an art tour um, with Heath Ceramics with Modern Adventure. If you haven't seen that, it's awesome. Oh, that's curated, so cool! Wow. Yeah, they do these curated trips where they bring an expert. A lot of them are food centric. There's one on um, a chef going to Mexico City, and they take you like on their version of that trip. Um, so I'm wow. pretty pumped about that. But I mean, I could. That's another podcast for another time. I have yeah, to pick your right brain on that awesome.
1: actually. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you about yeah.
2: that later. Yeah. Look up, um, co- look up Modern Adventure. Modern Adventure. Modern Adventure. Modern Adventure.
0: I did uh, a ramen tour through Japan virtually mm. through here, here here, 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 market. Yeah, my it was dream. really fun. And the guy that did it is like obs- He lives in Japan. He is just a, a ramen
2: expert. Is he, he the guy loves that does it. the classes? I just tried to take it, but it was going to be at like two a.m. my time, so I didn't do it. Is that the same guy? He-
0: it might be. He did ours around like five p- 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., but he shipped us boxes of ramen. So everybody got a box of ramen. So we were tasting all of these different kinds of ramen. He was going through the styles and everything. It was really cool. Amazing. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome.
2: So especially during COVID when it was like, oh, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? So, now you need to go anyway. do that trip in, in Japan because Japan will change your life. It's my favorite yeah. place to visit in the world.
1: Talk yeah. about hospitality.
2: hospitality. We look like we're like the meanest people on the planet compared to the, the Japanese hospitality. <laughs>
1: But yeah, honest, right?
2: Like, It changed yeah. my life. I came oh. back. My team was like, what happened to you? I'm like, can you guys just be calm right now? Because I'm just processing this meeting. And they're like, what? <laughs> what? Who are you? Get out. Come back through the door. Yeah. Okay. The truth unless... I back out, but
0: Yeah. Uh, last one here. I switched this one up because you were telling the story that the um, the the wine spot is really good for dates, and you said you get a lot of first dates. Do you have any great date stories that you? Because I feel like when you're in those places, they're really good to like think about, like looking at like the Tinder dates that are all happening. So I wonder if yeah. you've ever
1: seen anything or Talk about a spinoff podcast. I could talk about. I've, I've seen some really, stuff. Yeah, this
2: yeah. Is, I've got this. I got a lot of material for you guys on this one. So, Ooh, like I good. said early on. When match.com was the only dating thing. That was yes. like Debbie's niece. Okay, so you remember that? We oh, would yeah. um, we would they would come and ask for people, you know, they'd say a so-and-so here, because they would kind of know, but the photos weren't like they are now. This is 10 years yes. ago. Yes. So this one guy comes in who who he comes and he says, like, you know, I don't remember the gal's name is Kelly here. And so we didn't know this, but there was two Kellys in the room. And so we sat him with the wrong <gasps> oh, one. No. They, these people end up not only dating, but getting married. Swear Get to God. Out! Yes. And if Get we wouldn't out. have, swear to God, and if we would not have um, brought, br- like, switched them up. They, we, they would have. It would never have happened. Can you believe? It's like the Gwyneth Paltrow um, sliding doors thing. So
0: not no, only your restaurant tour, yeah, it is like it's Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors, but not
2: only your restaurant tour, but you are also a matchmaker. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> side hustle. That's my. We've had so yeah. many people meet at the restaurants. When people tell me I got engaged there, like warms my heart. We've had so many employees get married. It's the best thing oh, ever. Wow! I love, Unbelievable. Love.
1: Oh, that's great. So good. Yeah.
0: Wow. I love. Okay, so I'm I'm glad we pivoted to that question then. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I,
2: I love those kinds of stories.
0: So, well, this was so fun, Lauren. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: It's so great talking to you, Lauren.
0: Having a hard time keeping up with all of the restaurant industry news? Check out the Back of House News podcast that drops every Thursday. The Back of House News podcast cuts through the noise and covers all of the latest restaurant and food service industry headlines that you need to know now go to backofhouse.io or listen wherever you get your podcasts that's backofhouse news podcast and backofhouse.io Want to hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, Eat.News. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service-focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at boh underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms.